0: Embrace yourself in the Lord. Do not throw up your hands or walk in despair. The time for extreme situations to be moved has come. You will not be kept behind any lines. For you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, cover all. 2019 our year of pursuit
1: and now prepare your hearts as we welcome God's servant this morning
0: to Thee.
1: Father, we thank you this morning. We are here to receive your word. Your word is sharp, it can divide anything, take away, it can build, it can restore. This morning, we are receiving a word and we believe it is going to transform our lives. Let your word come with power, let your word come and bring something into our hearts. That will stay in our hearts forever. Do not let the word come through one ear and go through the other. Let us not be hearers of your word only. But also doers of this word. Anything that will be a distraction. Anything the enemy will try to bring to block your word. This morning, oh God, I pray that it will not work. That everyone will live here remembering everything that I have said, because I do not speak, I'm just a vessel, but you speak through me this morning. Father, we thank you. We know that your infallible word is what you will give us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you have your Bibles here, can you lift your Bibles with me and say, this is is my Bible. It is the word of God. You are too dull. You're too dull. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It I will become what it says I can become. I will go where it says I can go. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Now come on, slap your chest and say, I am a believer. Amen. Amen. This month has been our month of holiness. And today we round up on the month of holiness and the theme of holiness. Next month has been dubbed the month of authority. Yeah. Serious. Yeah. Authority. And we pray that God will cause us to bring some insights and revelations That will help restore the authority that God has placed in our hands. But this morning, I believe what we are sharing is significant to top up our month of holiness. And as we hear the word, let's allow it to convict us and cause us to be better and to do better. And the title of my sermon is The Hedge of Holiness. The Hedge of Of holiness. Holiness can be a hedge around you. And my assignment this morning is to make sin unpopular and unpalatable. I want to paint sin in a way that would stay in your mind. So when it beckons, you can tell like God said to Cain that I saw sin crouching at your door. But you shouldn't have fallen for it. Because the end of sin is always disaster. So this morning, by the time I'm done, hopefully, um, before you open that door for sin to come in, you will think twice. And you would understand that sin is an anathema to holiness. When you are sinful, holiness is not possible. There are two sides of the coin. You can't be sinful and be holy. So hopefully we are able to overcome the little sins that easily besets us. And then we can continue to be pure and holy for the Lord. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 8. I would also read Isaiah 59 verses 1 to 2. And finally Proverbs 6. 27 to 28. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall or a hedge will be bitten by a serpent. Now let's go to Isaiah 59 and verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But this is what is happening. But your sins or your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear when you pray to him. Finally, I'll do Proverbs 6 and 27 to 28. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? These are questions you should answer. Can you take fire into your bosom? Hot coals of fire, and place it in your bosom, and expect not to be burnt? Can you walk on a hot plate, burning hot plate, and expect your feet not to be seared? That's an impossibility. Um, One day, I was sitting and I was just musing. I was just meditating on a few things. And I was thinking about how Somehow, God says that he has given us choices, our self-will. He has given it to us. You can make any decisions that you want. There are choices we make every day. And the beautiful thing about God is that he has decided that you are the master of your life, the master of your own destiny. So he gives you the opportunity to make choices for your life. But it seemed a little ironic to me as well, that in the same breath that he says, I've given you the opportunity to choose. He has somehow made the repercussions of not choosing what he wants so huge that it's almost as if you don't have a choice. If you don't love me and you don't do what I say, there's hellfire waiting for you. Do I have a choice? So it's almost as if he's saying, I've given you a choice. But if you are not careful and you choose what I don't want. (laughs) And the wara wara. Do we really have a choice? I was just thinking about it. And then somehow it hits me. That sin does nothing to God. Sin, it does nothing to God. It doesn't harm God. It doesn't hurt God. Not at all. Much in the same way as when your child is going to touch a hot stove and you shout to that child and say, don't touch it. The mother or the father will not be burnt in any way, shape or form when the child decides that I will disobey you and touch the hot stove, who suffers? It was just, it it just, I, I just had that revelation. So all this while when God is saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, it has nothing to do with God. God is God. Whether you sin or you don't sin, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change his power. It doesn't limit him in any way. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't get bent. All that happens to God is that like a father, he grieves when we sin. That's all. So truly and really, the beneficiary of a holy life or a life devoid of sin is you. So why do we struggle And it's almost as if somebody has to beg you to do what what is right for you. It doesn't make sense. It's almost as if we are crying. Leave us alone. We, we, We want to die. We want to kill ourselves. Because every step that you take into sin, one thing happens. You break a hedge around you. And you become easy prey for the enemy to hate at you. Holiness is like a covering over our lives. As long as you are living right, the presence of the Lord covers you. That is why Moses wrote in Psalm 91, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of my God. It is then that you can say, he is my refuge and my strength. My God in whom All of us want to be allowed, like children. We see hot coals. We want to run and touch the hot coals. We know very well the repercussions of touching. But we still say, leave me alone. My pastor is not here. Nobody can see me. I can sing quietly and nobody. But, but, But you forget that when you touch those hot stones, it doesn't burn me, it burns you. That is sin. The writer of Proverbs puts sin in the same way as he puts the vomit of a dog. Yes. He says if you continue to go back to your sin, it's like a dog going back to his vomit. That's how terrible sin is. That's how unsightly sin is. The minute you go back to that sin that you want to forsake, It's like you going back to your vomit. There are two types of sins and the Catholics do very well at it. There are sins of omission and sins of commission. The sins of omission are the things you should have done but you decline to do. For example, the Bible says you should take care of your parents. You should honor them. When you don't do them, you omit to take care of your parents. You've sinned. So those are the sins of omission. Those are not as as dangerous as the sins of commission. Because the sins of commission are the ones that have a play on your self-will. On your ability to make choices. So the day that the enemy came into the garden and caused Adam and Eve to take that fruit and disobey God, they committed a sin, a sin of disobedience and immediately they had to be expelled from the garden. The garden is the secret place where God had made sure that nothing can touch their lives. They were living well, they were doing well but the moment they allowed sin to come in, the hedge in the garden was broken and Adam and Eve had to go out into the world where they were easy prey for the enemy so right after they had gone out of the garden we experienced the first murder Cain kills his brother Abel, and now Cain is saying that I've also sinned but have mercy on me put a mark on my forehead because I know that because I have committed murder I have broken the hedge and the fence around me. And therefore, anyone who sees me can kill me. So Lord, have mercy on me and still put a hedge around me so that my life will be spared. He who breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite. The serpent has lifted his head. I think it's a cobra. Just waiting behind the fence. The fence, which is the covering of holiness around you. And all the serpent is waiting, is for you to break the hedge. So you are making the wrong decisions. You are choosing to sin, to lie. And then the repercussions of that lie comes to you. And you realize that you've messed up so big. And you want to blame the devil. He was sitting outside the fence. Minding his business. You were inside the fence. He was envying your position inside the fence. Then you made a choice to say that I don't want this protection and this edge around me. I will go ahead and I will break. And you go ahead and you break, you commit fornication, you steal. You lie, you, you backbite, you, you, you do all that. And the enemy gets a go at you. Then you want to come and tell me that what the enemy meant for bad, God turns it around for your good. You are taking it out of context. When Joseph said that, it was God who had orchestrated the ability for him to end up in Egypt as king. Joseph had denied Potiphar's wife and said that I will not sin against my God. So don't go quoting that scripture to me. That God will turn around the things that I do, even when the enemy means it for Uboa, Enfa. Sometimes, as believers, we kid ourselves, and we think that the grace of God abounds, so I can sin, I can live an unholy life, I can do whatever I do in secret, but in the realms of the spirit, there's no secret. When you break the hedge, the serpent will bite. That's why Proverbs is asking can anybody take hot coals of burning, burning hot coals and put it on your lap and expect not to be burnt? Grace doesn't become a cover over your bosom. No, that's not what grace is. So Paul keeps telling them, because of grace, do we continue to sin? No, it is because of grace that we stay away from sin. Because grace becomes a conscience in your spirit. That when you are about to make a choice that is wrong, you are about to go touch fire. That grace will remind you that somebody has died on the cross of Calvary and decided that you stay pure and holy for him. But if you don't mind that grace and you go and you touch that hole, trust me the repercussions will come. You can weep, you can cry, you can kick, you can fast. It will come. Grace abounds. But grace is no passport for sin. As believers, we need to take a stand and decide that sin, the, 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 the payment for sin, It's too huge for us to make them. What you get when you sin. There's nothing as fearful as when the presence of the Lord has left you. If you don't believe me, ask something. (laughs) The presence was there. Anytime the enemy will come attack him, he will lift himself up. The Holy Spirit will come upon him. Then he will attack them. He will kill them. With a jawbone, he will kill thousands of Philistines. Or he will take a gate, a whole city gate, and lift that gate up and set himself free. They will bind him up. The presence of the Lord will come upon him. Then he will tear the ropes. It will become like, like linen. Just tear them up. And somehow he made the mistakes that we make today. He felt that grace abounds. After all, I'm a Nazarite. I can do anything I want. After all, Christ has died. I'm a child of God. What can the enemy do to me? So he went on and he went to sleep in the laps of Delilah. And unfortunately his hair and his covenant was broken. And Bible says that for me is the saddest thing in the Bible. The enemy came upon him. And Bible says that he told himself that I will arise as before. And I will do what I have always done. What he didn't know that the spirit of the Lord had left him. And this man who had the grace on his life was now a prisoner. His eyes were taken out. They they used him as a jester in the courts. When they were sad, (laughs) that is the end of a man who didn't understand grace. And those are the mistakes that we make. It is not about the pastor it is, not about, it is not about God. It's about you. It's about you understanding that the most fearful thing that can happen to you as a child of God is when you get the hedge of protection around you broken. You ask yourself, and yes, we are, say, unbelievers, they, they are dead. No, they are not. It's a battle. And in the battle, there are two sides. There's the the camp of the enemy and there's the camp of God. You chose to be on God's side. You made a decision that the world behind me, the cross before me. You chose a side. In this world, there's nothing like neutral grounds. You are either for the devil's camp or you are for God's camp. And you committed to God's camp. So you, when you sin and the enemy gets you, Those who are in his camp already, he doesn't fight them. It's the reason why sometimes you come into the faith and you are asking yourself, when I was in the world, everything was going well. I didn't always have money on me. People were giving me money. I was getting contracts. Then just when I gave my life to Christ, it looks like I'm struggling. Yes! Because now you are on another side. You are on the Lord's side. And on the lost side, it takes diligence. It takes hard work. It takes commitment. Because what the world can do to get there, you cannot do it. See what are careful? Not say you the camp of God. And you too, you are not on the camp of the enemy. Then what are you? You will become a casualty. Because then the enemies can't consent anything against your life. When you sin, you open yourself up for diseases. When you sin, you open up yourself for attacks. When you sin, you open up yourself even for death. Why? Because the enemy is against your life. He's battling for your soul. And you chose to be on the Lord's side. But if you sin, you take yourself out of God's camp. You lose the protection of holiness and the hedge around you. And the enemy can handle you in a way that you yourself you you won't believe. (laughs) The consequences of sin, if, if we can really, really think about them, it's not worth it. It's not. When, you, when sin beckons, is glorious, it's beautiful. Stolen waters are sweet. <laughs> but after they catch you, you steal your company's money. They are now taking you to jail. You are coming to say what the enemy means for bad. You will go to prison and the enemy will meet you there and turn things around because you'll be a changed man when you come out. But me, if I hear you've stolen money, you are going to jail, I won't fast and pray. I'll come and visit you. The Bible says that visit those who are in prison. Take it, My best Oh, yeah. You, you marry, you insult your husband, they beat you up. You come and tell me, how can I do it to your husband? It's not good to beat somebody, but it's also not good to be loudmouthed. The repercussions of a loud mouth is a beating, but men, please don't beat your wives. It's not good. We need to be. We need to understand that there are repercussions. There are four things that sin will do to you. The first I have spoken up about already. It takes us out of the covering of holiness. It takes us out of the hedge. It takes us out of our garden where God is. It takes us out of our secret place and allows the enemy to get a go at us. Number two, sin blocks God from hearing us. That one is also fearful. Isaiah 59 talks about it. He says the ears of God are not deaf, that they cannot hear you. Nor are his arms so short that he cannot bless you. But what has happened is that our sins have become like vomit that has sealed the, 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 the atmosphere between us and God. God doesn't move. He's there. But the writer is saying that when sin has become a block between you and God, then God can't even see you, much less hear you to answer. So I get amazed when believers think that they can live anyhow they like. But come on Sunday and come and touch the altar. And then suddenly God becomes a miracle worker in their lives. You are a joker. You are a joker. Sin will block God from seeing you and from hearing you. So you will be praying. Somehow when we sin, their tongues don't go anywhere. They are still there. It's like, it hits the ceiling and comes right back. God can't hear you. When you live holy, sometimes you don't even have to pray. And Jesus spoke about, he says, you think that your father doesn't know what you need? Then he must be an irresponsible father. I have children. I make sure my children are fed. I make sure their school fees is paid. I make sure that they are taken care of. I put a roof over their head. I make sure that their clothes are not torn. I make sure that they get the nutrition that they need to. I am even a human being, and I know what my children need, and I am concerned about their well-being. Oh, but how can you think that the God who created you, who is a father in your life, can seek that responsibility? Until then you get to the point where every prayer you are praying is asking for God to provide food for you to eat and a place to lay your head. What has gone wrong? He says, look at the lilies in the fields. They don't sow. But Solomon in all his glory was never clothed like one of them. Look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant. They don't water. oh, But they never go hungry. Why? Because God feeds them. But if even the birds of the air are fed, why will God not feed you? Why will he make you hungry? God can answer every prayer, but sin becomes a block between us and God. So God is saying that I want to see my child. I want to hear what he's saying. I want to answer, but sin has become a block. Today, may your hearts be renewed so that anything that is sin, you stay out. What is sin? Sin is anything that doesn't please God. And your heart will convict you when you know what you're doing is not right. You don't need a man to tell you you are wrong. The Holy Spirit inside of you will tell you that what you are about to do is wrong. The little, little lies. We call it white lies. Why they are white, I don't know. But they are lies all the same. Why would you allow a lie to block some important prayers from ascending to God? Sin is not worth it. Am I sinless? No, but I am pushing for that. Every morning I ask God for grace to live right. Whenever I think I've made a mistake, the first thing is that I go on my knees and ask him to forgive me. That is why I don't even have your time to get angry with you. Anger is blocking some important prayer that I have to pray for my children. So because of you, your petty lies you have told about me, I should get angry then my prayers to are blocked. Ah, why? You don't deserve that. You don't. Because I have important things for God to do in my life, to do in my ministry, to do for my finances and my business. I have too many important things. I'm praying for people. I'm interceding for people. I can't let sin become a barrier and block God's face from hearing me. I know that his arms are not too short, that he cannot bless. I know that his ears are not too deaf. You don't have to shout for God to hear. He's not deaf. You can also shout. He's not nervous either. Whichever works for you. But it is not the intensity of your shout that will make God hear or not hear. It is not the acrobatics and the skills you use for the prayer that will make God hear or not hear. It's your life a life of holiness ensures that every word that comes out of your mouth becomes prayer unto the Lord. So sometimes you are not even in the church, you are sitting right in your car and you just cry out and say, Lord, lead me, grant me favor. And it becomes prayer that the Lord answers. The third thing that happens with sin, sin destroys the relationship between us and God, our Father. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the first thing he said was that when you are about to pray, remember that every prayer is based on a relationship. So before you pray, say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Our Father means Abba. It's just like saying, Daddy. If you don't have a good relationship with your father, how do you go to your father and ask for things? If you don't have a good relationship with your father, you visit your father once every six months. Or you've moved out of the house because your father is teaching you or our So you've moved. But when your rent is due, you go back to this father and say, Father, can you give me rent?" Sin will break the relationship between you and God. Sin broke the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve. Bible says that when they, they were perfect, when they were right, in the cool of the day, the Lord will come and walk in the garden. And he will fellowship with them. And he will share, I'm sure you will come and say, Adam, how has your day been? Oh, are you okay? Do you need any more things? Adam, are you happy? Then Adam will say, oh, I'm happy, but I need a woman. You know, I mean, give me a woman. Then he doesn't struggle to go chase anybody. He will be sleeping. Then when he wakes up, a woman is there. Oh, such life. Can we just go back to the Garden of Eden? Eh? Because the woman suddenly changes. The woman that was so nice, you bring the woman. That's why I don't talk about relationships. Otherwise, I'll become like God. When there's a problem, then you come and say, "The woman, you advised me to marry." <laughs> problem. When you come and you say, "This is the one I want to, even if she's karishka, I'll bless it for you." Sometimes you, you just hear, you see somebody is living in sin. Then the person has the audacity to tell you that prophets be crushed, I comes to a It's a relationship. So if you are not living right, Don't expect it. Don't expect much. God will not throw his spell before swine. They will step on it and they will make it dirty. Sin is not good. You can be forgiven when you sin. That is the assurance that we have. But it's like when you have been burnt with fire, there are always scars that you struggle to take out. God has forgiven you. But sometimes you yourself, the guilt, the accuser, standing behind your ears when you are praying and reminding you of the thing you did last night. You see, I wasn't there. But the thing you did last night, when you come on the altar, I haven't asked you anything. And then you, you start crying. It's Obi-Ankashi. Obi-an-bo. But it becomes a scar that you have to deal with. It's not worth it. I would rather I live holy. And I would rather I do right by God. And live at peace with myself. So when the enemy comes, he's, not, he's got nothing on you. He's got nothing. Then you can truly say, when you are going through a challenge, that all things work together for good for them that love God. And are called according to his purpose. Don't quote this scripture when you have gone to commit your sin and it is chasing after you. Nothing it won't work together. They will be standing on their own. All the issues will be standing on their own. They won't work together for good. When you have gone to indulge in your sin, and, and the repercussions are at your door. Don't say that whatever the enemy means for bad, God turns it around for good. God won't turn. Take it from me. God won't turn. I've seen many people lose their faith. I've seen people get tired and frustrated. I've seen people pray and pray and pray and nothing is happening and they are wondering whether God loves them or not. Today I'm telling you that make a commitment that sin is not palatable. You may sleep here and there. But as soon as you do, get up, dust yourself, and move right away. Some of the sins, you have to flee. Because when you try and go and be a man, you will regret. You see? And I don't want you to regret. So some of the sins, just flee. Ode Oh, you're afraid man. And ya You are using your wisdom and the love you have for God to live right and to have that hedge around you. Holiness creates a badge of protection and is the only way that allows God to be God in your life. It allows God to elevate us to the place where he has destined for us. It allows us to live our God-given lives and talents. It allows us to seek the face of God. And when we do, we know that we have seen him and he hears our prayer. It allows us to like Psalm 91, quote, that I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. When you live a holy life and you face challenges or you face storms or you face difficulties, remember this. Sometimes God has to use the devil for your, for your elevation. Sometimes it's just the fire that is refining you for the next level. So when somebody asks me the question that when I have challenges, how do I know that it is God testing me or it is the enemy that has brought this? I know that your life is not pepepe. When your life is not straight, that question will arise. Because when you, that thing hits you, you don't know whether it is the result of your sin or it is God just refining you. But when your life is pure, when you face any challenge, you can be confident that this one, we have only employed the devil for our benefits. Like Joseph, you can say that God allowed this to happen so that I can save lives. Let's get to that point where we can be strong in our faith because we know that our lives please God. And because of that, nothing can happen in our lives unless God must have allowed it. And that is the benefit of living holy for the Lord. Today, desire to build the hedge of holiness as we end the month of holiness Don't throw holiness out of the door. Let it become a lifestyle. Without holiness, no man can see God. Holiness is just more of God in your heart. The more you seek after him, the more he becomes priority in your life. Holiness becomes a byproduct and a matter of course. Amen.